Welcome to Hedge Fund Tips with Tom Hayes. I'm Tom Hayes, and this is your 137th video cast, 127th podcast for the week ending June 2nd, 2022. A lot to cover. We'll do quick media, then we'll get right down to it. First of all, I would like to thank Shauna Smith, Dave Briggs, Taylor Clothier, and Kristen Subanos for having me on Yahoo Finance yesterday. We went into a lot of details, a really bullish call when everyone was bearish as usual, uh, and we'll go into some granularity with that uh, as we move forward to the article of the week. So thanks for having me on. Then Reuters, um, want to thank Chibuke Ogu for including me in his article this week. Uh, this was um, uh, about, I guess the market was down. I said energy is the input cost for basically everything and high oil prices is bad for inflation. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about oil because uh, we finally had a positive break there with OPEC going to ramp up the production. Um, and that's that. want to thank Anisha Sirkar for including me in her article uh, yesterday uh, about SPACs. I said expect more terminated SPAC deals to come. This is not the environment for dumb or overpriced deals to make sense. That was 2021, said Tom Hayes. And then want to thank Nivedita Balu for including me in her article today. And uh, this was with uh, Sheryl Sandberg stepping down from COO position at Facebook, I said, or Meta. I said, I'm more concerned about the ultimate outcome of the metaverse and the impact on earnings over the next handful of years than I would be about who is sitting in the role of COO. Uh, and I think that's the key. Will that spend pay off? Uh, there's a large enough margin of safety in the stock, as we've talked about in past weeks, that it probably doesn't matter even if they screw it up. Uh, and if they uh, and if they do a good job, you got a free option on the upside. So uh also want to thank Anisha Sirkar and Devik Jain for including me in their article today. Um, all eyes are on the government's non-farm payrolls data on Friday. That's tomorrow. I said, if you see many more jobs created than what you saw in the ADP, ADP was weak. It missed expectations. Uh, but if it comes in strong tomorrow, the market may view that less constructively because it means the Fed will keep their foot on the gas with tightening. Uh, hopefully, the non-farm payrolls will actually uh, mirror the ADP, and that will give the Fed pause after these 50, 250 basis point hikes, maybe take that pause in September that Bostic has been waffling on and Lael Brainerd uh, actually uh, discounted today, and they're just going back and forth because they can't figure it out and they haven't been able to for uh, you know more than a year. But um, also want to thank uh, Akash Sriram, uh, this was about uh, EVs, you know, why were EVs up that day? EVs were up because everything was up that day. Uh, quote of the week from Tiger Woods, winning takes care of everything. And we're finally start to, starting to see some winning happening with, uh, with China uh, and, uh, and the auto parts supplier. And, uh, and, uh, and I think we're going to have some catalysts moving forward for biotech. Value tech is getting bid and the market is getting bid when everyone thought, uh, and, I, and I bring up Tiger because I tomorrow afternoon I got invited to pay, play Beth Page Black, if you remember. Uh, that's where Tiger won the 2002 U.S. Open. Uh, only par, player to break par for the tournament who was seen as one of the most difficult and exciting U.S. Opens in history, breaking attendance records, 
creating more boisterous atmosphere for the championship, etc., etc., etc. So uh, this will be a tough track for me, but uh, you know, when you get uh, a tea time at Bethpage Black, you don't turn it down, and it'll be uh, a great experience tomorrow afternoon. Jamie Diamond uh, says J.P. Morgan is bracing itself for an economic hurricane. Says Fed actions, war in Europe, create unprecedented challenge. Still too soon to say intense how intense the storm will be. <clears throat> it may be nothing. It may be something. But the media took the headline hurricane and ran with it. So Brian Moynihan came out and uh, dismisses uh, Jamie. He said, we're from North Carolina. Bank of America is. You've got hurricanes that come every single year. Uh, and he's basically saying that um, Moynihan made the point that the Fed's challenges to hike rates to hike rates is because of a strong underlying economy. What makes the Fed's job tough right now is actually a good thing. Low unemployment and good wage growth and good consumer spending, he said. Uh, he was asked, but pressure, and he said... Uh, Moynihan says he understands the worries about recession. As he said, credit costs will likely increase, but he said there isn't the volatility around outcomes that many investors may fear. Our net interest income grew strong from the fourth quarter to the first quarter, actually uh, starting second to third quarter last year. We look at that year on year. It's uh, $2 billion more net interest income per quarter before the rate structure is actually coming through the system said the customer is now catching up after activity was led by the commercial side. So they're seeing uh, uh, more consumer business and consumer lending, which is a, a, a positive. Uh, on the other side of the bank, uh, J.P. Morgan's Kalanovic sees sunny stocks as Jamie Dimon braces for storm. Bullish strategist expects stocks to rebound by year end. Kalanovic's buy the dip calls have failed so far in 2022. You know, yes and no. I mean, the S&P's down, what, 12% now? And uh, it was down 12%. Uh, the fourth week of uh, January. So, uh, you know, uh, let, let's see who gets the last laugh. I think Kalanovic certainly will. And he said basically, uh, poised for a gradual recovery and the S&P 500 will likely end the year unchanged, uh, which would be, uh, you know, meaningful move from here. Investors have already priced in aggressive policy changes from the Federal Reserve. We remain positive on risky assets due to near record low positioning, bearish sentiment, and our view that there will be no recession given supports from U.S. consumers, global post-COVID reopening, and China stimulus and recovery. I'm glad he keeps pushing that forward. Uh, and uh, da, 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 da. Uh, he finishes, bears are saying only the Fed making a U-turn can change the course of markets here, Kalanovic added. We think this is not true as what is needed is incremental change relative to the significant amount of tightening already priced into the market. And we've covered that many times on this call. And that is um, that, you know, and we covered it on Yahoo Finance yesterday, the, ten, the two-year yield got up to 271 a couple weeks back. Uh, we've already tightened 75 basis points. Two more is 175. And then if you get a pause after that 25, you're at two. And I think that's going to be the terminal rate. Last cycle, 2016 to 2018, was 225. They seem to be going lower and lower and lower for the time being. Uh, maybe they get lucky and they take 500 billion or a trillion dollars of liquidity out uh, from the quantitative tightening. But they put 5 trillion in. So, I mean, let's, 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 uh, 
uh, get a reality check here. There's plenty of liquidity and it still costs you not to borrow uh, as we've covered uh, for the last several weeks. It's time to finally, uh, time to start buying stocks as Citigroup. Uh, it's been a long slog, etc., etc. Uh, they have their bear market checklist. And again, more of the same sentiment is washed out, which we've been, been covering uh, the last couple of uh, video casts. We've pe reached peak bearishness amid recession, says uh, City. Um, just showing managers positioning net short and uh, how that's usually near inflection points. Moving right along. Um, this is more on Kalanovic. Uh, he believes that we'll avoid a recession this year as consumers remain in solid shape. I think Moynihan said that consumers have another six to nine months of spending in their savings accounts. So they really racked up a lot of savings during the uh, pandemic and from the stimulus checks. And uh, big upside for stocks is a resolution for the Russia-Ukraine conflict, uh, which Kalanovic expects by year end. Uh, that is a pretty bold prediction. That would be something that no one is positioned for right now. And we did uh, touch on that last week. Um, retail buying that was last year funded with stimulus check likely will not stop as it can now be funded by job paychecks, which is also more sustainable. Uh, Kalanovic advocates for investors to buy beaten down innovation stocks rather than stocks that are uh, perceived to provide protection during an economic recession. You know, I've seen a lot of people out there saying, Let buy, we're buying more defensive stocks. You got Clorox and Colgate trading at close to 30 times earnings uh, and growing, you know, less than 5% a year. And you've got um, Facebook growing at, you know, 15, 20% a year trading at below the market multiple. So you do the math. Uh, and I think that's the extreme that's, that's been hit. And I think that, uh, and that's the opportunity going forward. Um, moving right along, this was a good one. This is from Aswath Damordian. You can get it on CNBC on YouTube. Some of the oldest tech companies are the best values in the market. We've been talking about that, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Amazons, possibly the Netflix, uh, et cetera. There's, this is from Connor Smith over at Barron's. Uh, Netflix and five other beaten up tech stocks that could be good values. They've got Google in here. They've got some semiconductors. They've got meta platforms, Qualcomm, uh, LAM Research. I think even Taiwan Semiconductor, which we've talked about, is starting to make a move. Executives are buying the dip at a rate not seen since the start of the pandemic. So I covered this in the article of the week. Insider buying is up. Retail buying is down. Insiders have perfect information about how their business is operating and they're buying more stock than ever before. Uh, and uh, retail folks have now sold 100% of the stocks that they bought over the last two years with their stimmy checks. So they've sold in the hole while the uh, insiders are, are buying from them. And uh, I, that tells me everything I need to know and what side of the trade I want to be on. Moving along, stocks just broke a seven-week losing streak. Here are three reasons market could be set for a long-term rally, according to LPL. I love this stuff by Ryan Dietrich. He's always uh, very quantitative in nature. Uh, bull markets following, follow losing streaks. Seven-week losing streaks are historically rare for the S&P 500. Before this year, the index had only posted losses in that many consecutive weeks three times, 1970, 1980, and 2001. Within a year of those first two downturns, the S&P was up by over a third, rising 33.5% in 
1970 and 33.4% in 1980. The index had also risen by 5.5% three months after 2011, on uh, 2001's eight-week losing streak. Second, large corrections lead to long-term rallies. Uh, before last week's rally, the S&P had fallen 18.7%, not reaching bear market territory. That's uh, my adding uh, in seven weeks. That looks like a typical stock market correction. Dietrich found that corrections of this size are normally followed by a significant S&P 500 rally. Previous corrections between 10 and 20% showed average gains of nearly 25% a year later and 40% two years later. And third, gains as big as last week's aren't seen that often. Whether it happens during a bull or bear market, 6.6% rallies are rare. LPL found that the S&P has only posted weekly gains of 6% or higher 25 times since 1950. And that kind of performance tends to be followed by larger breakout. S&P rises 22% on average in the 12 months after a 6% rally. Uh, uh, and there, there we go. So good stuff from Ryan over at LPL. Alliance Bernstein put this out. The uh, CIO for Alliance Bernstein breaks down three catalysts that can help stocks to rally and break out of the bear market. Guys, this is opinion follows trends. When we were telling everyone to buy the last couple of weeks, uh, everyone was saying get out at the bottom. You know, there were podcasts of major hedge funds saying there's another 15 to 20 percent to go. And, um, you know, the pessimism was just uh, um, crazy. And now opinion follows trend. Uh, after the 7 or 8% rally, everyone's all of a sudden on, on our train and getting bullish, which is great. Uh, three things are one is a dovish Fed. We've been talking about that Fed pivot coming in September. We think that will, will play out as the uh, base effects of the year-on-year CPI numbers, which we'll see next week. Uh, start to work in the favor, meaning the spikes were high in May and June and July of last year, uh, which is going to bring down the year-on-year percentage gain, uh, which is going to give the Fed pause. And particularly if we get these subdued jobs numbers, uh, they're going to want to uh, uh, pause in in the fall, which could be very, very bullish, Um, which means that the market had more than priced in what's actually going to be coming. Inflation cools down. Our view inflation has peaked and is coming down. If there are lower readings in May and June, that'll be another catalyst for stock to rise. And fewer job openings is number three. The forever resignations have created millions of job openings. The gap between job openings and available workers creates wage pressures, which pushes up inflation and eats into companies' profits. The gap will need to fall if stocks are to rally. He said that most investment analysts are too focused on interest rates and inflation, haven't fully considered the potential of economic impact of labor markets. If the number of available jobs falls, that'll curb inflation and be a catalyst for the market. Um, But it's really hard to hire in the U.S. right now, and that could be the canary in the coal line for the overall state of the economy. Uh, Well, the ADP numbers today started to point in that direction, so that's good to see. Uh, Loop Capital was out with a $4,000 price uh, target on... Amazon, uh, we, we've been talking about Amazon the last couple of weeks. I said, no one wants it at 2100. Everyone's going to want it at 7,000 five years from now. Now it's up to, I don't know where it closed today, but it was a lot higher than 2100. Uh, Delta hike sales forecast to pre-pandemic levels thanks to jump in travel demand and fares. We've been talking about that for a while. Why a top Wall Street quant sees the S&P 500 taking back all its losses by year end. This is just more on Kalanovic. Um, okay, so he talked points to Bostic's pivot and corporate buybacks, which we've covered. Uh, JP Morgan sees 1.2 trillion of buying from corporations, buying back their own shares, another 500 billion 
pouring into the market on behalf of volatility sensitive investors. I think he's referring to the CTAs that are trend followers. And with defensive stocks already trading near record relative valuations to the rest of the market, Kalanovic sees the most opportunity in the comparatively unloved segments, including China ADRs, small caps, energy, and biotech. So he's hit us in three areas, our three biggest positions, Alibaba, biotech, and that small cap auto supplier, which we've hinted to the name multiple times in the last three weeks. We don't want to go overboard. That's a small cap, but uh, uh, 99% of you know the name, and, uh, and that's a really positive thing. So we're, we're hitting on all cylinders. Energy, we think, is a fade. Uh, we saw today the uh, OPEC agree to increase production. Uh, I think more of that's to come. Uh, President Biden's going to go kiss the ring. And, uh, and I think we're going to get some relief on that front. Um, so this is a very interesting chart here. This shows small cap valuations at all time relative lows. Uh, the last time the multiple was this low was the pandemic lows and then the great financial crisis lows. So there's some opportunities here. And that's why that third position, the auto supplier, it hits on a lot of different things. Number one, a thawing of the semiconductor, because once the OEMs get the semiconductors, they've got so much pent up demand. We, we covered that in the article of the week. We'll reemphasize that. Um, uh, this play has a backdoor EV play. They get $155 per car on uh, internal combustion engines. They get over $200 on EVs. So uh, if the green movement goes great, uh, then we'll make even more money. If it, the green movement does nothing, then we're still going to do incredible because of the amount of embedded operating leverage in that business, in that sector at this time, uh, and, uh, and falling into this small crap group that has also been decimated. So it, it's a way to get multiple bites at the same apple. Saudis give U.S. a nod with oil output hike. Um, so we talked about that. Um, Okay, this is from Phil Flynn. If you want granularity, you definitely want to sign up for his letter over at pricegroup.com. Phil Flynn, just Google it. Uh, he's probably the best writer on energy. Uh, he's a friend. Often see him together with me on the Claim and Countdown on Fox Business. Uh, he's an expert in the space, so you definitely want to get his notes. Uh, Wall Street has an expiration date for the dollar's epic rally. We've been calling for that weakness. Now consensus is starting to come follow us. Why? Because opinion follows trend. So um, uh, UBS is holding, told its clients on Wednesday that the dollar's best days may be behind us. Um, ba -ba -ba -ba. The increase in volatility is very striking. The level is very high for normal periods since 2016. Uh, shifting interest rate expectations so the Fed becomes more dovish. Uh, record inflation could come down. Safe haven flows are going to ease up. So no, people are no longer going to have to buy the dollar to get into U.S. assets. Uh, and I think all those things are true. And that's part of the, the thesis why we had been talking about that weeks ago before it started rolling over. Uh, Morgan Stanley sees two auto companies likely to feel the pressure as the chip shortage ends. Okay, so they're saying that Hertz and Avis are going to get smoked because the residual values on cars is going to go down. Um, this is so important. Adam Jonas, this was, a, um, I think, a um, paradigm-changing research note that came out this week, which we covered in the article of the week. But Adam Jonas has been from Morgan Stanley. 
been handicapping the timing and collateral impact of China's lockdown coming to an end and consensus among the Asia semis, semiconductor team at Morgan Stanley, led by Charlie Chan, indicates that the long-lasting gl global auto chip shortage is edging closer to a resolution. And although headlines still suggest auto production is being held up by semiconductor shortage, the Asian team is, quote, not so sure. They have found Taiwan Semiconductor, who accounts for 50% of global auto MCU production, has seen significant improvements through Q1, with wafer foundry auto semi output up approximately 60% year on year. The analyst believes this will cause the transfer of value from those who have enjoyed pricing power, i.e. the OEMs, downstream to those who have had to face rising input costs and lower production upstream, i.e. the auto suppliers. This has been the thesis for our third largest position, which by the way, I think has greater economic upside than our top one and two positions combined. And we think those have massive upside. Uh, even though our position sizing is smaller than multiples, this, this could be another 10 bagger plus like range resources. Uh, and beyond. So um, our Greater China Semis team is highly confident that current semiconductor supply is sufficient to bring up auto production. This should result in lower used vehicle prices since, quote, used vehicle prices are still up over 60% versus two years ago and only 6% off the all-time high. Recovering new car supply and inventory can be a release valve for unprecedented new and used car price inflation. If you remember, we've said over and over, the two biggest components of the CPI prints, of the inflation prints, are energy and used car prices. Used cars started to come down, which helped the inflation peak. Energy now will get some, some production. And by the way, we're going to talk about the rig count, which is up 197% off the pandemic lows, starting to now approach 10% off the pre-pandemic highs. OPEC or non-OPEC, that supply is coming back. And all the things we've been talking about are starting to bear out. Chip shortages might finally ease. So this is from the Wall Street Journal. Just a second. Uh, um, a second. Thing. The silver lining semiconductor shortages, which have been a headache for the global economy for much of the past 18 months, could finally start to ease as demand growth ebbs. And the other thing, you're going to see a lot of canceled double and triple orders. If you remember, a lot of companies placed double and triple orders because they, there was scarcity. Uh, when they cancel the excess orders, there's no penalty. That's why they all did it. Uh, we're going to see real demand. Days of inventory increased to 53 days in the first three months of the year from 42 days in the previous quarter, according to Credit Suisse, which tracks more than 200 companies across the technology supply chain. Inventories have been trending up since the pandemic as companies stocked up to head off manufacturing and logistical challenges. Uh, but a slowdown in end demand with companies sitting on high level of inventories could hurt suppliers later this year. Remember, yesterday's shortage is tomorrow's glut. Uh, and I think that uh, we are going to see these car companies get all the chips they want. They're going to meet two years of back orders uh, for demand, as we see in auto inventories, and the suppliers are going to go through the roof with the amount of operating leverage that they have. Small crap growth stocks are the cheapest they've been in at least 24 years. Here's how one manager's playing it. Here show the metrics. We've been covering this. This is why we want to be in that group, and we've chosen the, the one that we've chosen to uh, express that. Um, and he goes through a number of uh, other small cap companies, et cetera. But uh, it basically comes down to the valuations. At these levels, you want to be a buyer, not a seller. Uh, moving right along, Wall Street Journal. Investors spot bargains among small cap stocks. Um, small caps have fallen too hard. 
And here is small cap valuation relative to large cap valuation. It's the lowest since October of 2000 during the tech wreck. So uh, this is, again, a generational opportunity. If you were buying small caps in that hole, you made oodles of money because you not only got the market recovery, but you got the higher beta recovery. And if you were around in the early 2000s, you made fortunes in small caps. Ford deliveries fall again as it's spending and it's uh, spending like crazy. The stock is rising. So they're spending on EVs. They're going to put out tons and tons of cars. They're hiring to deal with the demand. Uh, and, uh, and now they're just waiting for the components, which we think are around the corner. Uh, as I've said, biotech, we're waiting for some catalysts here. It's been sitting in purgatory for some time. Attention biotech investors, mark your calendar for these June PDUFA dates. We referenced them last week. Uh, these are, um, you know, usually June is when you start to see some buoyancy in the biotech market because you get announcements on drugs and uh, uh, benchmarks and that type of thing. So uh, keep your ears glued. Plus, they have the major conferences, etc. So we had Pfizer kick off uh, Animal Spirits last week, two weeks ago, buying Biohaven for 11.6 billion. Then this week, G uh, GlaxoSmithKline, again a pharma company, buying biotech. Affinivax for $3.3 billion. People are getting fear of loss. You're going to see more and more M&A, and that's going, to spark the, um, that's going to spark the biotech sector. Uh, traded a little heavy earlier in the week on uh, Mansion coming out, saying he, you know, he might be open to a uh, light-sized build back better. But you have to consider this is an election year, basically, uh, they would have to get it done by July because after that they all go on campaign into November. So the probability of that is, is very little, and that's why you saw biotech back up uh, after the you know one day of headlines, and, um, and now we just need some catalyst. We're starting to see M&A. Now we need to see uh, drug trial results. So hedge fund buyers return to Hong Kong stocks, J.P. Morgan says. Of course they are. Uh, opinion follows trends. Trend flows into China stocks stabilized with buying likely to resume. Buying in Hong Kong, China, led by multi-strategy hedge funds. And, uh, and that's how it all starts. Moving right along, extent of China's auto purchase tax exemption policy exceeds expectations. Analyst China's Ministry of Finance said it plans to cut the purchase tax for small engine cars in half a bid. Um, so you've got your NEOs of the world, your XPENGs of the world, your Li Autos of the world, your BYYDs of the world that are going to benefit from these stimulatory practices. Shanghai's COVID lockdown ends. Finally, they took their foot off the brake, and now we're seeing these things start to move. Time for haircuts, dog walking, jogging, and ordering from Alibaba. So uh, residents indulge in mundane but return to the normalcy of China's financial hub might prove elusive. Well, let's see. That doesn't look elusive to me. They're off to the races here. Here's the COVID cases completely uh, rolled over back down to nothing. And, uh, and the game is back on. But not only do you have the game back on, that business can normalize, but you've had so much gasoline put in the pipeline over the last, since November, and aggressively in the last 30 to 60 days during the lockdown, that you're going to see this thing just hockey stick. And, uh, and we're really excited that it's finally coming to bear. Uh, Shanghai reopening, commuters, shoppers, and revelers return as China's commercial hub cautiously restores life and work after lockdown. Um, 
that's that. China manufacturing begins to rebound as COVID-19 restrictions ease. Uh, May's numbers showed improvement for new orders, export, and employment. China electric car sales rose in May. Lockdowns start to ebb. So that's pretty amazing to see. So that's your NEO, that's your Li Auto, Xpeng, etc. I think NEO had 7,000 deliveries or something like that, which is pretty impressive. Um, so expect more of that to come. Now, here's the other thing. Shanghai reopens. Guess what's big? Consumption. Uh, Louis Vuitton, Prada, Dior, and other luxury stores see queues as shopping centers reopen to bouts of revenge spending. Remember, all these online platforms have 618, which is their spending holiday coming in the next couple of weeks. We're going to see that through the roof, and we've already seen signs of that with JD. China's e-commerce giants led by Alibaba and JD kick off promotions for mid-year 618 shopping festival. JD and Pinduoduo started their 618 pre-sales program on May 23rd, while Alibaba began is on May 26th. The pre-sales period allowed consumers to make a deposit, which guarantees a low price on goods they want to buy ahead of the start of 618 sales. Well, what we saw there is that um, JD, in the first 10 minutes of sales, they released information, did more business than they did last, uh, last time they did this, Uh, for the entire full day in the first 10 minutes. So that shows the level of pent-up demand. Uh, Shanghai, and I'm sure we'll see the the similar results, if not more, from Alibaba. Shanghai reopening. Tech stocks in Hong Kong are worth a punt as China passes short-term peak COVID pain. Alpine Macro says Chinese tech companies are likely trading at trough earnings with trough multiples, the research firm said in a report published on Tuesday. The firm recommended a long position on the Hang Seng Tech Index uh etc 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 so opinion follows trend they're bounced off the bottom everyone's going to start to change and and as they go up further more and more people are going to chase china's economic downturn shows sign of easing um so that's that alibaba and other chinese stocks get a boost after shanghai lifts covid19 restrictions and officials unveil stimulus measures so uh, Shanghai unveiled a list of 50 stimulus measures aimed at boosting growth, which includes platform companies, etc. Um, those can be found right here on the uh, shanghai.gov.cn, Shanghai Municipal People's Government. 50 measures released to revive and boost growth in Shanghai. And you can see to promote consumption, um, You get one, two, three, I'm just searching by the word consumption. E-commerce platforms will be encouraged to issue consumption vouchers and solid support will be given to culture and creation tourism, uh, et cetera. So they're going to be stimulus and help from the government to buy more stuff on the platforms. And they mentioned consumption five or six times in um, Third section is to stabilize foreign investment and foreign trade and advanced consumption investment. Six, seven, eight, nine. So, you know, there you go. I mean, in a few paragraphs, they mentioned consumption, you know, more than a handful of times. Shanghai unveils economic support measures to lo- as lockdowns ease. More stimulus, more stimulus, more stimulus. And just as they over-tightened because everything happens on a uh, lag basis, six to nine months, so they overdid it on the... Uh, tightening 
and the regulation last year, they're going to overdo it on the stimulus. And you're going to see uh, nothing ever reverts to the mean. It always overshoots on the downside, as we saw. I think March was the bottom. Uh, now we're going to see it overshoot to the upside. Hopefully that's by the China National Congress. Uh, and that'll be very exciting uh, this November, December. China leans on policy banks to deliver another $120 billion of stimulus. Funding could help finance a chunk of infrastructure costs. Policy banks have historically been called upon for such support. Chinese developers expected to speed up sales in third quarter after meeting less than 30% of sales targets for the year as of May. Um, developers contracted sales will see a strong recovery from June on improving sentiment and supportive measures. CGS CIMB Securities Executive. And let's see. Ah, Biden show, shows sign of rethinking China tariffs to get down inflation. That may not be imminent, but it, then again, it may. He's getting very desperate ahead of the election, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him reverse some or all of the China tariffs. The other thing I thought was interesting, Jack Ma's ant group revamps its board. Guess who they put on the board? It is the chair of the... Uh, the chairwoman of the board of the Hong Kong Exchanges and Clearing Limited. So the chairperson of the public exchanges in Hong Kong is now on the board of Ant Group. Why would they need the chairman of a uh, stock exchange if they're not going public? The answer is they're getting ready to go public at some point. We just don't know when. Remember, Alibaba owns a third of that. It's a monster business. Uh, right now, shareholders of Alibaba are getting zero credit for that interest, and that's going to be worth a fortune over the future. Uh, next was a, an article about NEO. We'll be swapping out electric car batteries. Uh, I think Elon Musk had talked about this in, in, in the past, but it's basically so you don't have to sit and charge for a half hour or whatever it happens to be. You can just pull up. They swap you out in a few minutes. It's just like going to the gas station and filling up your tank, and you're on your way. So NEO seems to be an innovator on that front. Uh, China electric car sales rose in May as lockdowns started to ebb. Uh, again, NEO's in the front pages there with uh, Lee Auto, X-Pen, and Hozan. China major, major developments saw property sales grow 5.6% on month in May. Second-hand home sales in 50 major cities rose 14%. So they're bouncing back pretty, pretty darn quickly. This is uh, from uh, Bloomberg, American Express. CEO says he does not see recession based on companies' card base, so people are spending, the consumer's strong. Brian Moynihan seconded that. Chinese developer expected to speed up sales in third quarter after, okay, we covered that. Uh, this is interesting from Gunjan Banerjee over at the Wall Street Journal. She says, call options trading among retail investors has fallen to the lowest level since December of 2019 completely reversing the surge in activity since the pandemic began. So all the hot money has been flushed out. You can see it here on this chart from uh, JP Morgan, and that's what creates the base for long-term rallies. Seth Goldman, this is very interesting from Seth Goldman, and I think it's very important because the market opened up, then it uh, kind of collapsed in the middle of the day on two bits of news. Number one, Microsoft took guidance down on foreign exchange. Remember, I said that 
So all of the, it's recency biases. All the CEOs and CFOs are now extrapolating what's happened in the re recent past is going to persist. I think that may not be true. I think the dollar is going to stop going up and it's probably going to get weaker into the second half based on the positioning we've discussed uh, in the last couple of months before, while it was still ascending. Now it's been rolling over. Uh, I think that could persist, which is going to be an unexpected tailwind for earnings. So uh, market dropped on Microsoft taking down its guidance modestly due to uh, foreign exchange, and it dropped on Lael Brainerd, who's historically been dovish, walking back a pause in February that Bostic uh, put out a trial balloon last week. Market uh, fell down, and then it rallied monstrously into the close. That is sign of bull market strength. When stocks got stopped going down on bad news, and that's what Lee Cooperman was talking about a couple of weeks ago when he was on CNBC. Uh, and, uh, and now we're starting to see that change when, when stocks go up on bad news. That, that's a sign of actual health and uh, buying interest. So we're good there. Lance Roberts put this out. Uh, we'll took it from the Daily Shot, um, which shows the number of news articles for bear market rally. Uh, everyone says it's a bear market near the bottom. Here's the same thing, same thing during COVID. And here's everyone on TV saying it's a bear market rally, sell the rally instead of buy the dips. And I think what's going to happen is these people are all going to get boxed. The market could make new highs, and that's when they're going to open the trap door again. When everyone chases the new highs and buys the breakout, uh, they're going to pin them down and take them back into this trading range into the fall ahead of the election jitters. But we'll take it day by day. I mean, that's just one possible outcome. Callie Cox came out and said, are we re really heading into a recession if manufacturing isn't contracting, though? And you see the manufacturing numbers were good this week. Uh, they're, they're healthily into expansion. You usually don't see a recession until you get uh, a contraction below 50. And even then, many times that doesn't lead to a recession. It has to drop materially below. Uh, and uh, we just don't see any signs of that at the moment. But if the facts change, we'll change our mind. Bank of America, we believe that the 36% peak to trough PE multiple contraction in the semiconductor index versus 27% downturn historically already reflects, reflects a medium-sized recession, and they give their top large-cap pick is NVIDIA. We've been talking about semiconductors as a way to play value tech, the Intels of the world, the Qualcomm's, the Taiwan semiconductors, and uh, we think that's finally going to get bid. Here's a guy, Tim Ward, talking about the Zweig breath thrust occurred on Friday, pointed out on the chart the previous times where this indicator was triggered. There could be basing here, but a new bull run is possible, and you can see all the lines line up with bottoms, and that's just one more thing to consider. You, ha you have to pay a little more attention to um, technicals when fundamentals have been thrown out, out the window due to emotionalism and short-term thinking. Uh, so we, we do, and, uh, and that's a helpful um, image for us to consider. This is from Marcel Munch, the German fellow who interviewed me for his East-West uh, podcast a few weeks back, which was tremendous. And uh, he posts this uh, result from JD for their 618 promotion. They got, uh, as I said, they got, uh, they kicked it off at 8 p.m. on May 31st after the eight-day pre-order phase in the first 10 minutes of the mid-year shopping festival, the sales exceeded uh, RMB 100 million yuan. Uh, this was more in the first 10 minutes than in the full day, uh, if I got that correctly. And uh, I think we're going to see more of that to come. Further signals for platform companies. This is from Zichen Wang. Um, uh, 
e.g. ByteDance to go public. Today's executive meeting of the state council says implement measures such as supporting them, listing domestically and overseas in accordance with laws and rules. So they're saying ByteDance to go public, uh, maybe in Hong Kong and maybe in the U.S. as well. That is uh, big about face and uh, pointing to what the NYSE chair was saying last week that he expects uh, more Chinese IPOs to come back in coming months onto the New York Stock Exchange. Article of the week, the chip stocks, chip shot stock market and sentiment results. Here's a picture of Tiger. Maybe that's Beth Page Black. I don't think so, though. I think that's more recent. Uh, as I shared on recent podcast video casts, I started playing golf again after many years. My swing has come back. So now it's just putting the time in, still waiting on those clubs. They must have semiconductors in them, even though they're blades. But to, to, but to really score, I'm going to have to work on my short game, a.k.a. chipping and putting, to get my feel back. Well, last night, my chipping and putting was on en fuego. I just couldn't hit the ball. It was uh, unbelievable. I think I worked out a little bit too heavily uh, the night before. And uh, uh, anyway, it is what it is. This is, still had fun. This is of critical importance as chips are, are the key to the economy, inflation moving forward. That's a play on word, chipping and chips. Uh, they are also the key to one of our major new positions in an auto supplier, which is dependent upon OEMs finally receiving the chips they need to fulfill. The unprecedented demand and back orders for new cars. We have given easy hints on recent podcast vidcast, videocasts as to which company. Dealer lot inventories are still at 10 to 15% of where they need to be. This is not for lack of demand. It's due to lack of supply of chips. This could be changing very soon. Yesterday's shortage will become tomorrow's glut. We wait with bated breath. Take a look at this. You see these huge dips uh, after recessions here, and then the demand comes back. The demand comes back. This is a historic low. They're basically at dealer inventories are basically at, uh, you know, 5 to 10% of where they've been at historic peaks and where they need to get based on the demand. Because if you look at the average age uh, of cars is now, I mean, at historic highs over 13 years. Remember in 2011, we were saying how old the cars were at 11 years, cash for clunkers. Well, now they're at 13 years. Light trucks are at 12.2. They were at like 10.7 during the last recession. And uh, uh, I'm sorry, they're at 11.6. They were at 10.7. And combined is 12.2 years old, the average vehicle on the road versus uh, 11, uh, 10.7 or 10.8 uh, during the last, during the great financial crisis. Here's how global light vehicle production is expected to uh, recover here over the next uh, few quarters and years. We're going to be at new highs. Uh, it looks like uh, close to new highs by t- the end of 2023 and into 2024. These companies, the suppliers, have cut tons of costs out of their business, have huge operating leverage, uh, and are going to be financially doing better than they were even in the greatest peaks of 2017. Whether it takes two years or three years or four, there are many multi-bagger opportunities in the group. Uh, You just have to understand the balance sheet that they can weather the next six to 12 months, and and many, many of them can. So this is estimated worldwide motor vehicle production from 2000 to 2021. So you can see how, you know, 2001, this was when uh, Munger bought Tenneco and uh, made 8X's money uh, within a couple of years by buying the stock down and the bonds. He turned 10 million into 80 million, gave it to Lilu, and Lilu turned it into 500 million. So in a handful of years, he uh, two chess moves 10 million into a half a billion. 
uh, and uh, that that's uh, that you know these type of things are are, are possible. Uh, same thing in 2008, 2009. The difference in 2008, 2009 is the OEMs went bankrupt. GM, uh, Chrysler, they went bankrupt. So that hurt some of the suppliers. Demand wasn't there. The consumer was in bad shape. As opposed to today, the OEMs, GM, Ford, Chrysler, they've never been healthier. They've been making money hand over fist because they've been marking up the cars like it's going out of style. Um, and uh, they've just been booking orders and deposits waiting for the semis to come in. The consumer is strong. The demand has never been stronger. Uh, so uh, unlike the great financial crisis, this is a completely different situation where OEMs have never been stronger. Demand has never been stronger. The consumer has never been stronger. Even if you got a serious recession, they wouldn't be able to keep up with all the backlog of demand that they need and the cars just coming off the road due to age. So I'd, I'd link it closer to what you saw in 2000 to 2001, where you kind of had a rich man's panic in, in tech, but the general economy in the S&P was fine. Um, however, I don't think we're going to get that level of a sell-off in tech, and I think it's going to be milder than 2001, and I think some fortunes will be made in the auto suppliers as this revert ba reverts back to long-term trend. Uh, and that's uh, predicated on the back of Adam Jonas's note as well about the semiconductors coming back. So as far as the Yahoo thing, definitely watch this. In six and a half minutes, we covered everything from you know this way to Sunday you know, how there's unbelievable pessimism and how we think that uh, there's huge opportunity out of chaos uh, comes order. And uh, we talked about, you know, commodities rolling over with the exception of oil. But if oil, you look at the uh, curve is in backwardation, cash is around 114. December of this year is at 86. December of next year is at 78. That tells me everything I need to know. Uh, rig count is approaching pre-pandemic levels of 792. We're at 727 today. Tomorrow, we'll see if it went up a little bit. We bottomed at 244, up 197%. That supply is coming with or without OPEC. And then the uh, report that uh, OPEC is going to uh, ramp up production came to pass today. Um, now, with commodities and energy, X energy coming down in recent months and now possibly energy, uh, inflation expectations, which is what the Fed emphasized in their recent minutes, are rolling over. Five-year inflation break-evens have come down from 3.59% on March 25th. Uh, 2022 to 2.96%. Uh, when this was written yesterday, it's probably right in the same neighborhood, maybe even a little lower now with energy. If this trend continues, it will give the Fed cover to pause or reduce hikes from 50 basis points per meeting to 25 basis points in the fall or pause altogether. altogether. Uh, Ten-year break-evens had the biggest monthly drop since March of 2020. So inflation expectations have collapsed. The Fed's Jawboning is doing the work for it. And port backups in LA have more than halved in the last couple of months. They're down from 105 ships backlogged to about 30 uh, since the beginning of the year. So that's going to help the supply chain and, and half of inflation that's not sticky. Um, Bank of America used cars and energy. Okay, used cars and energy have been the two key components driving up inflation over the past year. If used car prices roll over, per the Morgan Stanley note I've referenced, this will have a meaningful impact on inflation reads in coming months, which means the Fed can pivot, dovish pivot, dovish pivot, dovish pivot. We've been talking about it. May CPI numbers, which come in next week, should support the peak narrative due to the high base effects. In other words, May of 2021 was one of the biggest jumps in inflation, and comps will be high so percentage increase should drop look at this drop from april to may of last year that was a monster jump uh and that's why you're and and you even saw a peak 
despite this small jump, wait till we see the big jump. I think this number is going to be pleasantly surprising next week. This favors the possibility of a dovish pivot as early as late summer. One more headwind that could become a tailwind as it relates to prices is a policy change being contemplated by the current administration. Biden says White House could drop Trump China tariffs to lower consumer prices. <clears throat> Time to buy selective high-quality companies in sectors trading at steep discounts uh, due to rates and tightening fears. We've covered them. Value tech, biotech, China tech, and now uh, some small cap auto suppliers that have decent balance sheets. Uh, cash levels highest since uh, the great financial crisis in 9-11. We've covered this. Most underweight stocks since May of 2020. We've covered this. And now it's all playing out. And most short tech since August 2006. Mark tech in the Nasdaq rallied 42% over the next 18 months. So who's been selling and who's been buying? Goldman Sachs note shows that retail investors have sold all the stocks they purchased during the pandemic, i.e. they sold in the hole. Uh, they're out of stuff at the lows. Who's been buying from them? Well, the insider buying is the highest since the pandemic lows when executives were buying their own stock at record clips. So the smart money's buying. Uh, the not so smart money is, is panicked out. And that's usually the basis for uh, what everyone's been looking for is capitulation has already happened. Uh, and that's why the market's going up. You also got buybacks and rebalancing. Companies have announced $429 million of buybacks since the start of the year. That's stronger than 2019 and 2021. Q1 buybacks were up 45% year-on-year, year, led by what? Led by tech. While retail was selling, the companies who have perfect information of their businesses were buying hand over fist. $250 billion of additional capital should flow in for end-of-quarter rebalancing before the end of June. So that's another underpinning for equity markets. No sellers left. We saw last week bearishness got up to 53.5%. Pandemic lows was 52.6% of the AAII bearish percent. Uh, CNN fear and greed is still at, uh, was 25 last night, still at fear. And the National Association of Active Investment Managers only ticked up to 34%. These guys are so screwed beyond belief when this market rips higher over the summer when no one's expecting it. They're going to have to chase like, like their tails on fire um as we go back to the top of the top of the range uh here's some margin here from uh isabel net from uh, uh twitter it just shows margin debt has rolled over they've been washed out here's sentiment economic confidence everyone's sad uh no government leadership they're saying etc highest cost of living etc that's all kind of peak and relief may be in sight as we covered a couple of weeks ago in the Melvin Capital article in Fortune magazine with Ann Schraders that, um, you know, that letter probably marked the bottom and that's held true so far when uh, Melvin liquidated after blowing up from the meme trade and he didn't want to work for free for the next two years to get his investors money back, which is the right thing to do. Instead, he's going to bail and probably open another shingle in a couple of years and screw his investors. Uh, that's, uh, you, you, you know, I, I'm, it is what it is, but uh, that's disgusting. Um, you know, if his clients all left him, it'd be one thing. But if they were willing to stick with him because they know he can make the money back because we know that he has the skills to make the money back uh, and he's just screwing them, that's just completely unacceptable in my view. Uh, but anyway, that liquidation is in the rearview mirror. Earnings and multiples, even with this rally, we're still trading at only 16.4 times next year's earnings compared to 18.6 over the last five years, which included the tail end of the uh, uh, tightening cycle, uh, last tightening cycle, as well as quantitative tightening from the last cycle. So uh, with the 10-year yield stabilizing below 3%, which we talked about and has finally happened in the last month, uh, these stocks are starting to get bid. Earnings estimates continue to go up while people's sentiment continues to go down. I watch the earnings. You can watch the sentiment and the emotionalism. Look at PEs here. 
uh, now for the S&P 500 trailing PEs back to 2002 recession levels. That, that was the bottom and you got marked up. It's near pa pandemic low levels, et cetera, near the levels where, where it rallies from. Uh, no more froth. Same thing with the NASDAQ is back to its 20-year average. Uh, same thing with small caps has now uh, only been this low two other times in the last 30 years. So um, we covered the, the fear of tightening in, in recent weeks and how both biotech and China tech absolutely ripped higher. They sold off huge into the last tightening cycle. XBI biotech down 53%, Alibaba down 52% in the 12 months into hikes. After the first couple of hikes, uh, they rallied over the next two years. Biotech 140%. Uh, Alibaba 258%. I think we're going to see something similar that rhymes, not repeats, but rhymes over the next two years and we're positioned adequately for it. Uh, more than adequately is an understatement of the year. So um, last week we pointed out the moderation in the US dollar that we've been expecting based on our how commercials are positioned. We expect this to persist into the second half. This would be a major tailwind for earnings that no one's counting on. The tech sector will be the biggest beneficiary. So here, commercials have been selling, finally rolled over. Commercials selling, you got a blow off and then a massive collapse. Commercials selling, complete collapse. So uh, we could see some moderation in the dollar, which you'll see here. 40% uh, of the um, earnings of the S&P are international and the biggest beneficiary of dollar weakening and the international earnings is Infotech. Um, so that's that. AAII sentiment, uh, bullishness uh, jumped up from 19% to 32%. Opinion follows trend. The market is up 6.6%. So everyone followed. They're going to be following a lot more. Um, we covered the CNN fear and greed, but these active investment managers are still way underweight because this read is from today and they're still only at 34%. And that's going to be a lot of panic buying coming in coming weeks and months in our view. Uh, exploration and production earnings up 31% in the last 60 days for 2022. So 100% um, of the companies took earnings estimates up. I think a lot of that's priced in in the short term. Uh, equal weight biotech earnings were um, revised down 4.48% in the last 60 days. I think a lot of that's priced in with the, with the sector being down 60% since last year uh, relative to this 4% drop. And uh, now seeing the M&A animal spirits come in, I think that's the opportunity. Uh, you just got to get into things when they're getting less bad. If you wait till things are good, like exploration and production, you know, a lot of the people that hated exploration and production and hated energy stocks in 2020 when we were pounding the table uh, now are getting excited when things look great. And that's it's already too late. You just you have to get involved when things are less bad or very bad. I, I kind of like very bad. And then they, knowing that they turn uh, and, and that's that. So economic data. Uh, that's the China M uh, manufacturing PMI beat estimates, as I said. Uh, Chicago PMI in the U.S. was better than expected. Consumer confidence was a little better than expected. Uh, another China, uh, Caxon manufacturing PMI for China was better than expected. Manufacturing PMI still massively in expansion at 57, slightly below expectations of 57.5. That should keep the Fed on alert. Uh, construction spending was a little weaker than expected. Um, Manufacturing PMI better than expected. ISM uh, manufacturing PMI. Uh, manufacturing prices came in lower than expected. That's good. Uh, the jolts is trending down, as uh, we referenced earlier. There was a draw in crude last night. There was a draw today. 
Um, so mixed readings there. And then tomorrow we see the rig count and we see the jobs report, which is critical. Um, you know, historically, the jobs report has been coming in a little bit better than ADP, but ADP was so weak today. Uh, where was it? 128,000 versus 300,000 estimates. Um, what are they expecting tomorrow for non-farm payrolls? 325. So, you know, anything below 325 could be very interesting and bullish because it would uh, lead people to believe that the Fed's going to have to be a little cautious in their aggressive hiking. So let's move on to the ask me anything questions. We actually skipped them last week. Um, we were rushed for time. So Jacob L. asked, Tom, a month back or so, I ran a screen for companies that have consistently grown cash flow per share, mid-teen return on invested capital over the last few years, and have a PE ratio below 15 in beaten down sectors. Meta came up, no surprise you've been talking about them. Pulte Group came up, no surprise you've been talking about home builders getting interesting. And Best Buy came up. Best Buy is a, uh, is a bit interesting because I haven't heard you talk about them, and I'd like to get your take. Best Buy survived the retail apocalypse as online took share and is battling the inflation headline risk with inflation peaking, management proving they can manage through this environment given the latest earnings. 4% dividend yield and margin of safety, according to Goldman Sachs. If next year's earnings were reduced by 20%, the stock would still be attractive compared with how the shares were valued during previous bear markets. What are your thoughts? I think you did great research, and I think you're absolutely right on that one. So great job, and I'm glad that uh, that's, um, you're learning a ton and, uh, and becoming self-sufficient. That's, that's the name of the game. Good stuff with that. Antonio Albo wanted to thank you for your amazing videos. Wanted to bring this to your attention as of Friday. I haven't seen anyone talking about this. Many commodities have already peaked and are trading lower from the highs. Um, coffee, oats, lumber, lean hogs. We did a whole video cast on this uh, two weeks ago. So we were one of the people talking to it. Welcome to the video cast podcast and thanks for submitting your question. Stephen Frampton, why, why I listen. I love that you have conviction and then show us why you have that conviction. It seems to be the opposite approach of most public money manager types. That's much appreciated. Here's my question. Uh, have you ever put much thought into Mercado Libre? To me, it seems like a Latin American Amazon, except instead of cloud computing, they have a fintech business. It's down 60 to 70% off highs, trades at half its historical sales multiple, has positive cash flow, dominates the markets. It's in, uh, it even beat earnings where most retailers haven't this year, wondering what you think. Um, okay, so I took a quick look. It's not for me, but I think you're probably right. And the reason it's not for me is because um, it trades at four times sales. It trades at 70 times next year's earnings, 109 times this year's earnings. And it's expected to grow over 100% a year, uh, long-term growth rate. So that's, you know, that's a one peg. It's not terrible. And it probably does have a moat in the markets that it works in. But I'd be looking for something with a higher margin of safety. I don't play things that tight. I need like a huge, vast pool of safety. So like if it goes against me, it's like, okay, where can I get more money to buy more stock? I mean, this one, uh, you know, something that falls 60 to 70% can fall another 60 to 70%. And it may be unrealistic, but um, uh, it can happen. So it's reasonable. 
it's it's just not for me. So that's all I'm going to say. I'm, I'll just say I'm agnostic on it, but I definitely understand your reasoning, and thanks for the question. Stan F., uh, hi, Tom, based on your write-up, S&P's trading at uh, 15.7 times 2023 consensus EPS. However, given various macro, it's 16.4 now. Given various macro, macro factors, the 2023 consensus EPS may have to be adjusted. What are your thoughts on whether or not downward adjustment on 2023 estimates may be needed as 2022 proceeds and under what circumstances? Thanks for your dedication and efforts in preparing the weekly podcast. They are very useful, Stan. Um, look, I just watch it every week, and every week it's going up again. So until it starts to go down materially, I'm just going to deal with the facts I have in hand. I think there are some tailwinds that, that people aren't pricing, and everyone's looking at estimates have to come down, but uh, no one's considering that the dollar is going to stabilize, number one. You could get resolution in Russia, Ukraine. You have all these managers underweight. And uh, while there's taking some liquidity out of the market, if you take a trillion out of five trillion that you pumped in, it's still an accommodative environment. It still costs you not to borrow when you have inflation at 8% going down to 4% um, and the 10-year yield below 3%. Uh, it costs you not to borrow. That's accommodation. And lastly, um, uh, what do you think about China? This is